stand still for a second here. I forgot to bring this off. My bad. This is Tim O'Brien. Tim and his wife, Michelle. There are missionaries in Mexico that we support. I'm not trying to stand over you. Um, when, when he said it's nice for us to be with you this morning, some of you probably went, and who are you? So um, living in Mexico, we don't get to see you that often. So uh, we're going to have a time uh, after the service today, and, and Tim's going to be available, Tim and his wife, for you guys to ask any questions you may have of him um, during you know, that time. That way you can just get to know him a little better. Um, tell me something exciting that's going on right now, putting you on the spot. So tell us something. Uh, something exciting is... Uh, uh, well, it depends on who you talk to about exciting. Um, but we're we're heading back to Mexico on March 15th. We actually leave here, uh, not tomorrow, but the following Monday, the 28th, flying back to Dallas, and then we have some uh, traveling to do there, some work to do there, and then back down to Mexico. Um, exciting, uh, getting back there. Um, you all have heard about uh, all the unrest and uh, the uh, things going on there. Fortunately... Most of that is north of us and, and hasn't touched our area yet. Um, but um, it, I guess maybe it's a heightened uh, awareness of excitement uh, for the possibility of something not happening. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you express that, but um, that's a prayer request. And also just, um, you know, I'm kind of excited to get back to the community center and see what's going on and, and uh, get back involved and, and work on getting a team together to to do ministry together there. So um, that's where I, I work at a, a community center. So Great. Well, it's How's good that? to have you here today. How's that? You, your kids are here with you. Everybody's here? Yeah, so, everybody's here. Okay, so yeah. good. We'll catch up with you after service. Thank you. I'll take that. Thanks. You know, one of the things that uh, is interesting as we uh, go through our series here, we're, we're in a Facebook series. Those of you who are new, we're using the different things of, of Facebook to talk about um, our relationships and talk about um, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other. And uh, it's interesting that in Facebook, one of the things that happens a lot is that you have all these types of requests that are made. Everybody know what I'm talking about when you get all these requests? Some of you know, yeah, you're going, yes. Some of you really know what I'm talking about. And oh, that's one of the things that can be really, really annoying is to receive all these requests of you that really aren't personal at all. They're not personal in any way, shape, or form. You can receive these requests to, to join Farmville, right? And if you've been on Facebook, you've probably been asked multiple times to join Farmville. Uh, you can receive a, a virtual martini from a friend. And I don't know what you're supposed to do with it, but you can receive it. You get invited to Mafia Wars. You can uh, have all these different precious stone icons from this game called Bejeweled. And don't even get me started on all these, you know, take this quiz things that people send you or... The one that's been popping up on my wall all the time lately, and I'm just really tired of it. So if this offends you, I'm sorry, but it still bothers me. But it's uh, um, this person just answered a question about you. You should answer a question about them. And I'm like, no, I, I, I don't care, right? <laughs> all I really want to do is get on there and read a few you know, updates and look at a few pictures and, and call it a day, right? There are, there, there's just a plethora of causes that people ask you to support. And, and not only are you asked to join their cause... You're also asked to support their cause, to contribute financially to their cause. And, and just out of curiosity, um, and, and you have to be honest because we're in church, okay? I, I want to find out how many of you have actually financially supported a cause through Facebook, okay? So I want to ask this question. How many of you have supported, uh, actually given money to a Facebook cause in the amount of $100 or more? 
One. Good. Okay. What about $50 or more? 20 crickets. 25? Five? And see, how many of you have supported a cause on Facebook? Yeah, see, there you go. See, you're not alone in this. This, this whole thing of supporting causes on Facebook is really interesting. In an article written by Rand Cordell, it's titled, Are Facebook Causes True Barometers of Support? He says this, In a practical sense, the answer seems to be a resounding no. He goes on to say that some may ask, well, how can that be? There are causes with millions of members. And my answer to that is, so what? The fact is, if membership doesn't somehow translate into material support in some form that moves the cause forward, it is of little or no value in the real world and constitutes no real support at all. His article continues. He says, when measured by this yardstick, the unfortunate truth appears that few causes have been able to convert what is essentially an online fan club into substantive real-world support. He goes on and on in the article to make his, his case, but he, he makes this case real strongly by saying if you look at the causes that have millions of supporters, when you really look at what's actually been given, it boils down to just pennies per person of what people actually have contributed to the cause. And, and some causes obviously do better than others, but across the board, Facebook cause support really isn't that good. It, it just really isn't. And, and that got me thinking about that in relationship to the church. And, and I think the same thing could be tr- said and, and is true about real life as well. I think there's, there's some people who really support the idea of what's going on in their local church and even participate in what's offered. But oftentimes it doesn't translate into any true, real support. There's a lot of uh, different ways you can give to a, a local church, a lot of different ways you can give to PCC. You can volunteer in one of the many different ministry areas uh, that, that we offer. It's, you can help out with the outreach ministry and, and support what they do through the Fountain of Hope. You can give financially to support the church. You know, We just got through collecting an offering, something we do every week, and it's, it's an opportunity that we give to you to give back a portion of what God has blessed you with. And, and if you're a visitor with us, as Tim you know, reminded you this morning, we invite you just to kind of let this... Let this pass by. Let, this, uh, let our worship that we're all doing together be our gift to you today. And, and we just kind of say, you know what, that's not your job. It's the responsibility of the regular attenders, of the members to, quote-unquote, support the cause here at PCC. But the truth is that there are lots of people, and not just, I don't want to pick on just our church, but, but there's lots of people in this church and churches you know, in general that don't regularly or tangibly support the cause. Support what we're doing in, in theory. You're, you're glad that we're here, and we're glad that you're here. You know, we're just real happy together. But, but that's kind of where the relationship ends. Others of you give to God very faithfully and very, very generously through PCC, and, and you give in various amounts and give in various proportions. And, and the truth is that, that there are individuals and families here at the church that give on, on a regular and consistent basis. And, and for that, can I just say thank you? Thank you for that. Thank you for continuing to, to give and, and to, to reach out and to do uh, what it is that you feel God has called you to do. And, and I, I want to tell you that I do not know specifically what any one person or any family gives. So you can just kind of relax, all right? If I'm looking at you, it, 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 just because I'm looking at you, I, I know nothing, all right? And several of you already knew that. But um, the, the point I'm trying to make is that because of the, the faithful and continual support 
uh, we're able to, to minister and do a lot of things here as a church. We're able to, to reach out to people in our community, and not only here in our community, but around the world as well. Um, at the same time, I've been around church long enough to know that whenever I talk about people giving, there's oftentimes people who are, are in the audience that are going, why in the world do people give? Because it just doesn't make sense to them. Because there are so many people who honestly believe that it's foolish to give their money away. I mean, why would seemingly rational, well-balanced people who have come from all different walks of life and varying different levels of income, why would they work and why would they, with apologies to Donna Summers, whenever they work so hard for their money, so hard for it, honey, you don't want to hear me sing, I, I promise you, but why would they willingly choose to give away generous portions of income? Why would they give it away? Well, there are many different reasons why people choose to give. Lots of different reasons, and I want to highlight just a few of them this morning. Um, I want to look at some reasons why people choose to, to give away a portion of the income that, that they have been blessed with and what they've worked so hard to earn. Why people support the cause. I invite you to follow along the back of your bulletin and just fill in a few blanks as we go through this this morning. The first basic reason for supporting the cause is self-interest. Self-interest. And this would be sort of this basic level of giving to God's work at a church or wherever you attend. And the reason we give is, is because of this self-interest. And we do this in several different areas of our life. For instance, if you were to, uh, to join a, a community basketball league or an aerobics class, you'd have to pay a fee for court time or for referees or for an instructor. Or maybe you uh, belong to a health club and, and you have to pay a membership. And what does the membership do? Well, it allows them to keep the doors open. It allows you to go in and utilize the facilities there. And you can enjoy it. You want it to be open so it can be there for you. And so you pay your dues. And it, at, the some, at some basic level, I, I think we could all say, yeah, you know what? I'm motivated to give out of self-interest. Uh, many of you would say that you benefit from the church. Your, your kids uh, benefit from the, the excellent children's programming that we have and that this church is has made a, a difference in their lives. It's made a difference in, in your life as well. And, and for some of you, just you couldn't bear the thought of these doors closing. And so because of that, because you don't want to see it close, you, you give your, your $10 here, your $20 there, and you just kind of pay your dues. It's, it's a self-interest type thing. And, and uh, that's okay on some level. It, it really is. And, and as I was reading through this and just reading a, a bunch of stuff, I became aware of this, and, and you probably... You know, Northeasterners probably know this stuff. I, I really didn't, I, I'd heard this, but never really read it for sure. But there are entire denominations and churches that what they do is they take the expenses of the church and they divide it by the number of members and then they send out little invoices. Anybody ever received one of those invoices from a church? You won't receive one from here, I, I, I promise you that. Not on, you, won't, you won't get an invoice. But what they do is they say, here's kind of what it boils down to for you. So you pay your dues every week or every month, and if you do that, we'll keep the doors open. And whenever I read that, I was like, really? You really do that? And people are like, yeah, we, what's wrong with that? And I'm just like, wow. It's just kind of this, this self-interest thing where that's how they, they fund the church. I'm almost confident that that's not what God had in mind. I can't, I can't find that in Scripture because to me, at least for me, there'd be no passion in that. It'd be like, oh, great. I have to pay my dues, right? So I can go to church. Don't even really like going to church. But now I have to pay it. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of, kind of one of those things that you just have to support the cause. And, and, and it's just a self-interest type of thing. The reality is, though, that this type of self-interest is, is a starting point for a lot of people. And if that's where you are, can I say it's okay? It's okay to be there. 
Because in a small way, you're supporting the cause. You're paying your dues, and it's out of self-interest. There's a second reason why people choose to oftentimes give. It's because of a grateful heart. The Bible addresses this type of, of giving. In Psalm chapter 116, verse 12, it says, How can I repay the Lord for all His goodness to me? This is kind of the biblical starting point for giving. And it's a response to God's generosity to us. Out of a grateful heart is why we give back to Him. Um, on January 27th of 2011, it marked the 66th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, in the, uh, you know, the prison camp in Nazi Germany. And, and in reading about that anniversary last, last month, I, I ran across this story. Uh, it goes like this. In April of 1941, a man by the name of Maximilian Kolbe, a Franciscan priest, he was incarcerated in Auschwitz. And he became known as the Angel of Auschwitz. And because... Because he, he was called that because oftentimes he gave up his bunk and his food for fellow prisoners. And he was, he was willing to do that on a regular basis. And in June of 1941, there was an, a successful escape made by one of the prisoners there from the, uh, the prison. And when a successful escape was made, the repercussions were this. Ten men would be chosen at random to die for every one person that escaped. And so one person escaped, and so... Ten people were going to be chosen by the commander. And so he lined up all the prisoners out in the courtyard and read aloud ten names that he had selected. The ten men would be placed in a pit with no food and no water until they died. That's what they did. And when the commander got to the tenth name on the list, he read it aloud, Gajanowick. And the man standing in line, whose that was his name, was just a few feet away from Maximilian Colby. And at the call of his name, the man fell to the ground and he cried out for mercy. He said, I have a wife and I have children. Please do not take me. And Colby, the Franciscan priest, he was deeply moved by this man. And so he pleaded with the commander from his place in line and said, take me instead of him. And in a remarkable moment of what some would call mercy, the commander accepted and took Maximilian Colby instead. Took him and placed him in the pit with the other nine men to wait his fate. And he would outlive the other nine. And he would only die after they would inject him with a lethal solution. And as a result of that, every year up until his death in 1995, Gajanowicz, he, he found a way to afford to make his way back to Auschwitz to visit the, the monument that he had built with his own two hands. And inscribed on the monument is simply these words, Maximilian Kolbe, he died so that I may live. And every year, this grateful man returned back to this site to remember the one who set, his, who set him free. He is quoted as saying this, So long as I have breath in my lungs, I would consider it my duty to tell people about the heroic act of love by Maximilian Kolbe. To me, it seems entirely appropriate that someone would go to these links if someone saved their life. I, I know if someone saved my life like that, I, I would want to acknowledge it. I would be moved on a regular basis to express my gratitude because of what happened, because of what was done for me. And there are some of you here today that really understand this kind of gratitude on a spiritual level. Because the truth of the matter is that we needed to be saved. And 2,000 years ago, Christ allowed Himself to be brutalized and murdered and killed in our place so that we could be free, so that we could have life. And because of that, a lot of people are motivated to give back to God. They don't do it begrudgingly. They do it because it's more than just paying dues. It's, it's being grateful. It's being thankful. It's, it's, it, they know that they, that they want to do something. 
Nobody has to twist your arm. Nobody has to hold you hostage. You give because you are grateful for what God has done for you. That's the next level. That's kind of that next step, and it's a place to start, and it's something to to move toward. It's not about self-interest anymore. It's about being grateful to what God has done for you. It's about a grateful heart. There's another reason that some people give that that I want to talk about for a minute. As you continue to kind of grow, you go from self-interest to to just being grateful, to, to wanting to truly be obedient to God. You really want to obey God and, and do what, what God says. It, it's, a, it's a step of saying, not only am I grateful, but God, I, I want to do whatever it is you called me to do. So God, what does your word say? Well, what would you have me to do? I, I want to be obedient. First John chapter 5, verse 3 says, This is love for God, to obey His commands. And many of you give out of direct obedience to the Bible and to what God says. And and you give off of what the Bible tells you to give. And when we look at the Bible for guidance, there's there's some things that it tells us. And there's an issue of, of being obedient in, in giving. And the first kind of obedient giving that I, I want to look at is what the Bible talks about is tithing. It's bringing a tithe. Now, I don't want to get into Old Testament, New Testament, where we're supposed to give. What, no, I just want to start here. Okay? There's a lot more that we could talk about on this than we have time to do this morning. But this first kind of obedient giving is simply a tithe. It says in, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithe. And a tithe is simply 10% of your income. It's 10% of your earnings. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be enough provisions in my temple. Um, God's Word tells us that that's, that is what we are to do, and that's the place that we are to, are to start. God says, if you want to obey me, then that's where you can start. Bring 10%, 10% of everything that, that you have to the church and don't do it begrudgingly. Do it because you want to. Do it with joy. Do it with gratitude. Uh, some of you, um, you understand this concept and, and you do that. God has, has laid it on your heart to, to give 10% and you do that on a regular, consistent basis. But the reality is there are, are lots of people who have been following Christ for a long time or maybe even attending church for a long time and, and you've, you've been attending here and you even consider this your home church, but you have yet to take this step of commitment in your life. It's an area of your life where you say, yeah, but I don't think so, God. It's kind of like we talked about last week. Yeah, but I want to do it this way. And, and God says, this is what I have called you to do. And my hope is that for all of us, we'll begin to understand that this is what God has planned for us. This is His design for us, is to give back to Him and that we would be obedient to what God says in this subject. Now, as kind of a side note, um, this kind of giving is really not practiced by very many Christians. Um, whenever you kind of break it down and they do the studies and, and you can kind of look at the numbers however you want to, but, but the reality is that the average person in all of their charitable giving gives less than 2% every year. Less than 2%. And so we, we really don't give much. And, and because of that, churches have had to resort to all types of fundraising schemes and bizarre things to try to figure out how to keep the doors open. And I've read several stories, and some of them I just, I just don't believe that they actually do that. And I can't believe people actually give when they do that. It's, just, it's really interesting. Um, but it, it makes me think about what would happen if everyone chose to be obedient in this area of giving 10%. What if all of us brought 10% of our earnings and gave it to the church on a regular, consistent basis? Think about how amply supplied we would be. Think about all the things that we could do. Can you imagine what could be accomplished for Christ if we were all to do that? You see, as I looked over our budget and as I looked through things, we are able to accomplish so much already. We support international missionaries like Ed Lockett down in Haiti and 
Tim and Michelle O'Brien, who are here with us, introduced Tim moments ago. Uh, we financially support the Orchard Group, and they plant churches throughout the Northeast, and now they're also planting churches in, in Salt Lake City, Utah, just eight blocks away from the, the Mormon Temple. They're, they're planting a church down in Phoenix, Arizona. They're planting a church out in Ventura, California. Uh, and so we're supporting them. We're supporting uh, the, the Fountain of Hope Outreach Ministries to help meet people's needs. We work with Homefront. We work with the Family Preservation Center. We work with the Trenton Area Food Bank. And because of your willingness to give on, on a consistent basis, we're able to pay utility bills and, and help people with their, with their car repair and, and pass out food cards and take meals to people and provide transportation and help people find jobs and and the list goes on and on. And, you know, not only that, but we're able to to have really some top-notch programming for our children. It's because of, of people who aren't in the service right now. They're back in the classrooms teaching that we're able to offer some great, great programming for our kids. We, we have teenagers classes, and we've got our, our middle school away at, at a winter camp this weekend. We're able to, to do uh, classes for adults. We're able to employ the staff to pay for our facilities, to hold services here. So much more, so many things that we are already able to do because of what you are already doing. But I challenge you with this. Think about what we could do. Can you imagine what we could do if everybody were to get on board? The additional people that we could help, the churches that we could help support, the people we could send to the mission field, the people we could support on the mission field, the things that we could do around the world and in our local community if we were all willing to jump on board and get involved and and truly support the cause. Think about what that could look like. Could you dream about what that could look like? Listen again to the words found in in Malachi chapter 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be enough provision in my temple. And it goes on, it says, And if you do obey me, I will open the windows of heaven to you. I will pour out a blessing so great you will not have enough room to take it in. God says basically, let's try it. I challenge you to try it. Try it and let me prove it to you. God says that I want to bless you abundantly in return. Now, here's where I want to be clear, okay? Nowhere in Scripture can I read that it says that God's going to back up a truckload of cash to your front door if you give to Him. I I, mean, if I could find that, I'd preach it, but I can't find that. But what it does say is that God will bless us. How? I honestly think it's different for each person. Because God knows what you need better than you know what you need. And God's going to bless you according to His riches and glory. The the whole idea is that you cannot outgive God. God will give back to you. And in that verse, God is saying, try it. Try me. Test me on this. I'll prove it to you. Tide level is this the beginning point of obedience back to God. And so many people miss this. And, and the reason we do is because we are living the American dream and we get stretched too thin and we get overcommitted and, and we're afraid and, and we just, you know, all kinds of reasons why we don't do this. And, and I think because of that, we really miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. We miss out on the blessing God wants to give back to us if we would truly give to Him by giving to Him as He tells us to. first, and we give it to Him. We just need to be obedient in that. There's a second kind of of giving under this idea of obedience, and uh, the Bible talks about it. It's kind of beyond the tithe. It's above that. It's called a free will giving, or a free will offering, or whatever you want to call it in in that respect. It's when God prompts you to give beyond your tithe to a specific need. It may be to help somebody go on a mission trip, or to pay a bill, or to sponsor this or that event. And many of you do that. and, And many of you, whenever the need is presented... You're quick to respond. Last year at this time, a little bit before this, after the earthquake and we were sending a team down, what happened? Well, this church gave almost $16,000 to the rebuilding effort. Tell me that's not free will 
generous giving. It is. Because you saw the need and you were willing to give. You were motivated to give. You were obedient to give. To give above and beyond. We have opportunities all the time to support things. And not just through the church. You can do it anywhere. I mean, there are people that you work with. There's events at school. There's projects through the scouts or through a club that you may belong to. There's lots of opportunities out there for you to practice this free will giving to further God's kingdom. We don't have a corner on the market when it comes to this. God is doing some amazing things throughout the community. And and I know that that several of you, you give of your time and your effort and your finances freely to these events. And I want to encourage you to continue to do so, to continue to to give freely and to, to see the need and meet the need so that God's work can continue to happen. There's a third type of giving that the Bible talks about that I think comes underneath this heading. It's called sacrificial giving. And and this is whenever you make the commitment to really sacrifice to help accomplish something for God. It's it's really a challenge, and it's really difficult for most people. It's difficult for me sometimes as well. And, And this type of giving is when God prompts you to make a huge gift. And I'm not talking about, you know, a huge dollar amount, but one that's proportionately large in relationship to your income or what you have. And it takes an enormous amount of faith on your part that you give above and beyond. You give your tithe and and you you are faithful to that and then you give above and beyond and and it stretches you. And you give out of what God has blessed you with. And one of the reasons and the only reason that I really want to challenge you to give in this way is because you are prompted by love. You have to be prompted by love. Luke chapter 7 Records for us a story that demonstrates this type of sacrificial giving. Jesus is at a dinner party, and uh, he is there with this poverty-stricken uh, prostitute who was also attending there. And uh, she had, had recently turned from her life of sin, and then she comes into the room. And, and what she does is she takes out this, this fabulously uh, expensive bottle of perfume. And she opens it up and she dumps it out on Jesus' feet and she's crying and so she's washing Jesus' feet with her tears and she pours this on there and she she wipes it off with her hair and and everyone is really kind of uncomfortable that this is happening. Everybody except Jesus. Scripture tells us that that she is pouring it out to Him and, and everybody's wondering, why is she doing this? Why did she take what little money she had and why did she buy this perfume and why is she pouring it all over Jesus' feet? And, and I think that if a commentator could have come alongside and you know done the interview after the event, hello, we'd like to ask you today why you did such a thing, I think that her answer would have been that she was motivated by love. Love made me do it. Love is why I chose to do that. Jesus shares with us a story where a widow, a widow approaches the temple treasury where people are bringing in their tithes and their offerings and, and people are, are throwing it in and, and doing, their, doing their thing and this, this lady walks up and she quietly and gently drops in her last two coins in a basket. And she walks away. And she somehow she trusts God that, that God's going to be able to provide for her, that God's going to be able to, to help her find work and food and sustenance and She knows that God has always been faithful before and and she knows that God will be faithful still. And yet, I think, honestly, if we could talk to her, she was probably scared at the same time. She was giving sacrificially. And I think that if we could ask her, why did you do that? Why did you give in that way? I think she would say, love made her do it. And when Jesus was on the cross and he died and his body was about to be taken down and it was about to be dragged away and thrown in a common grave, I think people stood around and they asked the question, why didn't he save himself? Why didn't he take care of himself? And I think the Bible is very clear on this answer. It says, because love made him do it. He did that for you and he did that for me. He gave sacrificially. At PCC, we recognize that 
there are people that are in all different places in this journey of giving. And some are supporting the cause in great ways and some in great ways and small ways. And I think for all of us, we have to, to realize that supporting the cause may mean that it's $20 here and it's $20 there and, and you need to start giving. Start giving some. For some of you, it, it may be that God is prompting you to move that up a level and to really think about and really talk about what it is that you're giving and, and why you're giving that. To trust Him enough to move up to a tithe level. You've been giving a little bit here and there and you've been in the church or in a faith for quite some time and you've never taken this step. Maybe it's time to do that. Maybe for others of you, there's a need out there that you're aware of and you're just reluctant. And God's calling you to freely give, maybe even to give sacrificially. Wherever you find yourself in this journey, I want to make one thing very clear on this issue of giving because it's very important that you understand this, that the only reason that you should give on any level for anything is to be moved out of love, not guilt, not obligation. This is a difficult subject to talk about. I don't like talking about money. And some of you are up there going, I wish you wouldn't talk about it. Because it makes us all feel uncomfortable. Because we always start to feel guilty about maybe I'm not... Just Would you not let Satan enter into the guilt part of this? And let God convict you and work on your heart as to what He's calling you to give out of love for Him? This is not about guilt. This is not about obligation. This is about love back to God. And... and when we give out of love, I think we can expect it to be poured back upon us more than we could ever imagine. And no, not always financially. It will probably be in ways you don't expect or anticipate or maybe even recognize. But God is faithful. God has promised us that He would be faithful. Remember how He, he concluded that verse in Malachi? He said, go ahead and give it a try. I'll prove it to you. Test me and just show me. You give to me and you watch what God will do back to you. The band is going to come and they're going to lead us in uh, our invitation song today, which is different maybe than normal uh, an invitation song. It's going to be the celebration song. It's the celebration song that, that we are free. We are free to run. We're free to dance. We are free in Christ. We are free to receive His love and His grace in our life. We are free to give back to Him. You see, God wants you. God really doesn't care about your money so much. He wants you because He wants you to love Him with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength because the reality is, if you love God in that way, then everything else is going to follow. You're going to respond to giving to Him in all areas of your life, not only financially, but in relationships and in service and in our attitude and in our behavior. We're going to want to give back to God because we have experienced and discovered the fact that, that the life-changing love of Christ is real in our life. And He's called us to, to accept that today. And what does that mean for you? Maybe for you today, there is no way that you can be motivated to give out of love because you don't have that relationship with Christ. We want you to experience that. That's why we do what we do, so that you can have that relationship with Christ and have that salvation that can only be found in Him. To receive Him. And then to become growing in Him and to be His child and, and to be obedient to Him and, and to walk the path that He has laid out for you. That's what we desire above anything else. Maybe you need to take that first step today. And that's what you need to do. You need to step out and say, uh, I need to start this process. I need to find out what this means. And I need to truly change my life. Maybe for others of you, this idea of, of giving is, is a time for you to stop just being a fan. 
and to become a follower, to have a genuine profile, the things that we've been talking about. And, and maybe it's time for you to support the cause in every aspect of your life. Maybe you need to go home today, you need to have a real tough conversation with yourself, with your spouse, with your family, and say, you know what, some things are going to have to change. We're going to have to change our priority list, and we're going to have to do things differently to be obedient to what God has called us to do. It's time not just to be a fan, but to be a follower. I don't know where you are in your walk, and I don't know where you are in this area of giving, but but I want to challenge you to experience the freedom that Christ has to offer to you, to experience the love that he has in store for you, and to start that right now. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing this song. If you want to talk to someone, I invite you to make your way over to the cross. We'll meet you there.